the difference between a one-time sale and a subscription is you have to keep earning that business over and over again as a subscription provider. And so it's important that you think about that in the context of this is not just a one and done sale. This is a continuous relationship that you have. And so things like, hey, if the shipment's delayed, engage with them early. Let them know it's really hard to win back after a bad impression. Hello and welcome to the Ecom Ops Podcast. We believe that there is more than enough content focused on e-commerce marketing and not enough content celebrating the real heroes of e-commerce, those running the operation. Each week, we find and interview an e-commerce operations expert to share the secrets behind how some of this industry's most exciting businesses are run. I'm your host, Norbert Strappler, the CEO of SingSpider. Hello and welcome to another Ecom Ops podcast. And today I have a very special guest with me. It's Adam from Chargebee. Hey, Adam, great to meet you. Great to have you here. Hey, Norbert, thanks for having us on the show. Looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, we'll be pretty stunning today because Chargebee is a real, real big player in the subscription recurring billing business. So if you ever have purchased something from a SaaS application, and I'm pretty sure you did, then most probably Chargebee was involved at some point at some solution. So they are very well known in the SaaS world. And yeah, typical for this business is recurring billing. So Chargebee removes the billing complexity that every SaaS provider has and then maybe a lot of e-commerce solutions that are subscription-based have and help you with yeah bringing that billing in shape and really a recurring billing with all this kind of complexity that every SaaS provider needs. But best is on your end, Adam, if you tell us a bit more about Chargebee and about how you get into e-commerce. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Norbert. So yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Chargebee is a, a revenue management and billing platform specifically designed for subscription businesses. We spent a lot of time in the earlier years in the B2B SaaS space, making sure that we rounded out the tool set and the offering to serve that particular vertical really well. And then, you know, as we started growing and getting more resources over the last couple of years, we've really turned our attention to the direct-to-consumer or, or B2C space. Now, we've, we've always had a pretty robust customer base in the direct-to-consumer space, probably 250 clients doing you know, millions in, in ARR with us and tens of millions in their revenue. And so we've always had a footprint in there. It's predominantly been in the headless e-commerce space. So folks that have scaled, decoupled, wanted more, more flexibility in their tech stack. That is the majority of our customer base today. And, and now over the last, uh, as I mentioned, 18 months, we're really focusing our product and development efforts to get into, you know, further into the ecosystems, whether it's Shopify, Big Commerce, are the first two that we're starting with getting into their marketplaces in the next couple of months, actually. Wow, that's cool. I mean, there are some different solutions out there for this recurring billing stuff. So uh, there's Recurly, there is, I don't know all the names, there, there are many of them. What is, do you know what was the reason why, why Chargebee was actually founded? Because there were already players on that. Is there any background yeah, I think that when, you know, if you go back 11 years ago and Krish and, and Raman and KPS and Tiago, they started the business by identifying a problem. I mean, this is going back 11, almost 12 years ago when they founded Chargebee and they, they wanted to start a company. And so they assembled a team and then went to look for a problem was how they approach it. And you kind of do, you do two ways of starting a business, right? You either assemble the team, go find a problem, or you find a problem and then assemble the team. They assembled the team first when looking for a problem. And what they noticed was, 
there's the proliferation of SaaS and obviously ergo a new revenue model with the subscription uh, space and and not a lot of tools really well equipped to handle that that type of revenue model. So that's how the, the company was started. And as I mentioned, as a small company, one of the things you can do is get distracted by trying to do too many things. And so they really did focus on that B2B SaaS space in the early years. And now as we've scaled, you know, we're 1,200 people now. We have a lot of resources. We're able to start tackling many verticals. And the e-com direct-to-consumer vertical is one that we already had a presence in that we knew we wanted to enter. We just, when we go into a space where we go all in, so we wanted to make sure that we were had the right offering for the customers that solved the problems that they were having, because it's different. The, the two industries are, are very different. The consumer base is different. The tech stack is different. And so you've got to uh, think through how you're offering for it. Mm-hmm. You have on your website terms like billing for scale. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I think that's probably one of the interesting things about Chargebee is we're purposely designed to take companies basically from idea to IPO. We have uh, a freemium product that anybody can sign up on and start using, but then we have customers that have, uh, Freshworks is one of the latest that IPO'd with us, customers that are in into the hundreds of millions. So built for scale, what we mean by that and, and relevant to this particular space is companies start off, we work predominantly with hyper-growth customers in, in all different verticals. And so when they start, they may be five or 10 million, but they're going to be 20, 30, 50, 100 million in a couple of years. And so we've designed our tool set to manage all those phases of growth. So, you know, a great example in, in this particular space is Hunt to Killer is the customer. I think they've been a guest on your show, right? They yeah. started off small. They're in, the, uh, they're in the Shopify ecosystem and all of a sudden they're scaling and they're outgrowing that. Well, they come to Chargebee because we can manage that continued scale and growth. And so our approach to the e-com space is we've got a, a really robust platform to manage that scale. And we need to be in these marketplaces like Shopify and Big Commerce, Magento, WooCommerce, all of those, but we're not building our tech stack around that. And so as customers scale and maybe they outgrow um, whatever technologies they're using, they can continue using Chargebee to manage that scale. Mm -hmm. That's nice. That's really nice. And I know what that means because for our own SaaS products in Spider, we are, uh, of course, using Chargebee as well. And it really helps. We have had a a self-hosted solution before. And at some point, it's simply not possible to handle that anymore. Or you have enough resources to do that. And so a tool like Chargebee really can help you when it comes to accurate billing and growth because it's stable. It's like having Shopify for a web store. You do not need to take care about the infrastructure behind that. It simply works. And this is, I think, the most important fact about that. So you have seen a lot in recurring billing, I assume. Tell me a bit about what have you seen, what can go wrong or what do people wrong when they consider some kind of subscription-based billing? Yeah, great question. So when you're thinking about subscriptions, there's a couple of things. So I think that, as we all know, one of the interesting things about this space is according to SUPTA or the Subscription Trade Association, 75% of all orgs that are selling direct-to-consumer are going to offer some kind of subscription service. So I think the the kind of two ways to think about your question is how do you do it right? And then what are some of the pitfalls to watch out for, right? So kind of done right, you know, subscription businesses can provide the consumers with all the value, convenience, and personalized offerings. So that's on the consumer side and then the stability and growth for the merchant. It also provides this kind of virtuous cycle of, of using data to better serve the customers. 
versus these kind of one times because you you start kind of seeing this virtuous cycle of consumers continuously using your services. And then the other thing that kind of speaks to what we were talking about is building subscription features in an agile and consumer centric way is critical. And in order to do that, you need the flexible tool stack to manage that. And so those are kind of the three things about doing subscriptions, right? And then the mistakes when you're thinking about subscriptions, uh, one thing is the, so there's the initial subscription, but then what is is kind of how uh, one of my uh, team members provided it. Like there needs to be reminders via email in the app of why this product is good, why they'll move to the next product or next offering that you have. I think one of the examples of a, a company that does this good is Whoop. They're the fitness band. And so one of the things that they do is that constant reminder of, hey, you achieved these goals and they're celebrating that. And so there's that continuous reminding about the offering, whatever it is. I think that's one. And then customer service and taking care of the customer. When The difference between a one-time sale and a subscription is you have to keep earning that business over and over again as a subscription provider. And so it's important that you think about that in the context of this is not just a one and done sale, this is a continuous relationship that you have. And so things like, hey, the shipment's delayed, engage with them early, let them know. It's really hard to win back after a bad impression. There's lots of tools in the space as well that help you manage all these post sales and delivery elements and touch points with the customer. And then I think the third piece is just pricing. You need to be smart on your pricing, right? Like there's going to be, you want a tool set that can manage both one-time sales, multiple subscriptions. But when you're offering that, you need to think about if you're giving too big of a discount on the subscribe, they might just cancel after the first time just to get the lowest price. So, you know, that pricing and packaging is super important. And then experimenting with that, I think is, is really important or having the ability to experiment with that. And ChargePay can handle this to experiment with the pricing easily. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one of our uh, strengths. We've uh, the product catalog that we have in Chargebee is you know can manage thousands of SKUs, and you know we have a customer actually Skinny Tabs that does daily pricing experimentation. And so, oh wow, yeah. So the the flexibility to be able to A/B test and, and pricing experiments, and then not all, and this is beyond one of the other things that we kind of bring to the table is one big uh, trend that's happening in ecom. There's no barriers. There's no geographical boundaries. So everybody's going global. And so with charge feeds, you know, we can manage 100 different currencies, 50 different countries, dozens and dozens of languages. We're kind of set up globally. But yeah, pricing experimentation is absolutely uh, critical in the space. That's exactly what charge allows you to do. Like I mentioned, we got customers that do daily pricing experimentations. That's really cool. Wow. And what I also like really is the free plan that you offer. So for early stage startups, before hitting a certain revenue threshold, you are giving a free plan, which is really great for a startup. Why do you give a free plan? What's the reason behind that? I mean, you have costs, you have the software, which is really good. Why do you give free plans? Yeah, there's kind of two main two main drivers, to be honest. Like if you talk to Krish, one of the main uh, drivers behind that is a give back to the startup community, right? Like we're steeped in the startup community and, and working with startups, like I mentioned, even pre-idea all the way to when they start to scale. So one is an opportunity to provide a, a tool set that's got no friction from a price perspective, allows people to get in, experiment, get off the ground from a startup perspective. So it's kind of a, it's working with the startup community is one piece. And then two, there's obviously a business reason to it as well. It's a great customer acquisition channel. We work with uh, incubators and, uh, you know, seed VCs as well. So it's an opportunity for us to get people using the tool set that we, you know, we have signals within our, our freemium product that we know when they're, when we see those signals, there are organizations that have the ability to scale. So we treat them a little differently. So those are the two drivers behind it. 
It's a very interesting approach. So people start using the free product, you get the signal, and then sales team is informed and they will make the deal finally. Yeah, or we'll take, you know, we'll watch uh, organizations come into that freemium product, mm -hmm. uh, product. And when we see those signals, we'll actually help them a little bit more in, uh, in a more uh, hands-on manner to onboard and, and get set up. And, you know, the other interesting uh, thing that happens within that environment is uh, relevant to a direct-to-consumer brand that jumped into e-com from a traditional business pretamon. So back in the pandemic, they decided, you know what, we're going to spin up a, uh, a subscription to coffee in London, 20 pounds a month, all the coffee you can drink. And what we had known is they had actually gone into our freemium product, spent time in there and actually done their tech diligence and reviewing the tool set. And then they came to us and said, okay, great. We're ready to go. We want to launch. We've done our due diligence. So they, they'd evaluated us a massive organization like that had evaluated our technology and offering by themselves and then came to us and said, yeah, we're ready to go. It fits our purpose. That's really cool. As you talked about those triggers and, and signals that you get, it leads me to one topic that I think is very, very critical for business automations. What do you think? How important are automations for businesses nowadays? Hypercritical, right? Like you can't, ex like that pricing experimentation, like that, you have to have automation, flexible tools. Like I mentioned, I mean, all these other great tools, you know, another customer of ours on the SaaS side actually that uses our turn deflection tool, which I'll talk about from an automation perspective as well. ShipStation, you you know, in order to scale as a business, you need to automate your systems and processes, but you need to make sure that they have the flexibility that you need. So one of the, you know, one of the things when we think about automation and flexibility is uh, being uh, an API first shop. So everything that we build into the solution is accessible through APIs. And so that enables a whole bunch of flexibility and automation beyond just what's in Chargebee's tool stack, which is important. And then, yeah, I mean, like you think about it's with subscriptions and, and this is where we see a lot of our customers are actually transitioning from homegrown solutions. And so what happens when you start a business, you're like, hey, I have one or two plans, really simple, one currency, it's in the US, I can manage that, right? I plug into a gateway and away you go. And then all of a sudden you start scaling, your, you know, your SKUs start expanding, your plans start expanding. Now, maybe you have three or four plans, but they're in 12 different countries, 24 different currencies. You need 14 different gateways. And all of a sudden this complexity takes over. And that's what we see a lot of, you know, 60 to 70% of the customers that we work with are moving off a, a homegrown solution because it starts consuming too much of their precious products and engineering resources just to manage that. Like we hook into 30 different gateways, for example. And, you know, I mentioned the currencies and countries that we work in. So we can take all that burden off and they can focus on working on their product. So yeah, it's absolutely, I think you can get super distracted by trying to manage this stuff yourself because it starts out simple and it gets hyper complex. I can fully sign this off. So it's 100% the truth, yeah. <laughs> uh, Self-experience, so. Yeah, 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 <laughs> Everything, yeah, exactly. everything true. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Now I'm an e-commerce store owner maybe, or I have a business, when or what do you think should I make a subscription business? Does this make sense nowadays? Or do people don't think that subscriptions are good and they just want to purchase on demand? So what do you think about the subscription in general? Is this still growing or are people going back to regular one-time purchases? Yeah, it's a great question. So I think as we mentioned, right, there, there's stats out there and Supta mentioned it. I think McKinsey backed it up that in, in the e-com space, 75% of everybody's going to be offering a subscription. We're starting to see traditional businesses. So 
we work with most SaaS companies that are coming out there. It's a subscription model. Yeah. That, that's just at the end of it. But we're starting to see a lot of traditional businesses starting to step into uh, subscription as well. So we work with Danon, who's a, a big French food giant, $25 billion organization. And they've started spinning up a, a subscription service to their baby nutrient food line, which makes sense, right? It's There's there's a, a reoccurring uh, demand and need for that. Not all businesses are suitable for subscriptions, right? I mean, like if you think about e-com, the curation, replenishment, access, membership type organizations are, are absolutely Great. The other interesting one that we're starting to see, we're working with BMW and, and Toyota. The, the, the automotive industry is actually a super interesting place where a lot of subscription services are playing in, whether it's from the EV space for charging or you know technology in the car. They're starting to decouple subscriptions to different tech in, in the car. That's an interesting one. But then you think about other businesses that aren't. So weddings is probably the most prominent example. Unfortunately, there's there's a lot of reoccurring weddings that happen not by design, but there's a one-off purchases, you know, tires, appliances. There are a lot of industries that aren't necessarily suitable, but then there's a lot of people that think they can disrupt those. And, and the automotive one is one that uh, I think is interesting. I mean, you see uh, Porsche and Volvo actually have subscriptions to, yeah. to cars instead of buying one, right? Yeah, that's really interesting uh, space. Absolutely. What I see more and more is subscriptions for mystery boxes, um, some kind yeah. of surprises that you get. So that's really interesting. Food, of course, yeah, and food extensions and even clothing and uh, and appearance. Man, I'm already a subscriber of a clothing companies where I get yeah. every two or three months, they send me a package and I just check it out. And if it fits, it's good. If not, I send it back. So a lot of possibilities for subscriptions here. And I think that's really a growing market. Yeah, Stitch Fix is a great company that does that. One of our customers, Tokyo Treats, mm-hmm. kind of has a Jap- Japanese curated snack box. And they're actually using our uh, our billing and automated retention tool. That's one thing that when you mentioned automation, one of the recent acquisitions that we did was uh, a company called Brightback. They're now charged to be retention. But one of the areas that they've automated, so we've automated the billing and, and revenue side, but they've actually automated the um, churn side of the business. So if you think about subscriptions, going back into kind of the nature of subscriptions, there your, there's your acquisition and then retention is critical. And so it's actually an automated customer retention tool for high volume subscription services. And so what they've done is they've basically automated the interception of churn. So when someone goes to cancel, they personalize that cancel experience by creating tailored offers based on the customer, the product that they're using. They can A-B test that in an automated fashion and the tool starts learning which one's more successful in deflecting that churn. And they work with companies like in the e-com space, Freshly, MeUndies, Vital Mm. Proteins. And so, yeah, really, really interesting and innovative tool set, very, very much designed for that kind of D2C, e-com, high volume subscription space. Awesome, really, really interesting. Adam, last question for today. Who has taught you the most about e-commerce in your career? Wow, that's a big question. As I mentioned, when we're stepping into this space, I actually played a little bit before I joined Chargebee in uh, card-linked offer space. So we were working with a lot of companies in the e-com space, Fanatics and a bunch of other companies. So I actually learned a ton in that business because we were working in a lot of e-com spaces. But from there, our customer, I mean, over the last 18 months, just working with our customers, Guy Marion, who's the CEO of uh, Brightback, who had built that company that we just acquired, a wealth of knowledge in the e-com space because that's 70% of their customer base. And then some of the team in, uh, internally that we built around Kelly that heads up our e-com efforts. I mean, I'm, I'm always, always 
learning from these folks. But yeah, guys taught me a lot over the last kind of six months since we've acquired his business. <laughs> yeah, I assume that. It's yeah. uh, really interesting. Thank you so much for your time, Adam. Really was a pleasure talking to you. And guys, don't worry about this subscription business. I mean, there's a great tool out there. It's ChargeP and you can start using it. I mean, there are a lot of great tools out there for subscription businesses. And just don't be afraid of starting that. It's just another kind of business, but actually you're doing the same. You have a monthly income and you send out the good monthly or you sell your software subscription. I mean, the most important fact and what you've seen today as well, and you need to stay flexible. Once it starts growing, you need to stay flexible. You should not take care to implement everything or develop everything yourself. This is really time-consuming. I mean, I can really sound it off. It's uh, a lot of time we invested for our solutions when uh, before we migrated to ChargeP. And this is really a big fact that as a cloud solution or a provider like ChargeP can help you with the growth. Okay, thank you so much. Have a great time. And guys, um, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. See you soon. Thanks, Norbert. Bye now. Bye-bye. And that's it for this episode of the Ecom Ops Podcast. If you enjoyed listening and would like us to find and interview more e-commerce operations experts, please search for Ecom Ops Podcast in your favorite podcast listening app and then subscribe, rate, and review. Until next time.